I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 1 Samuel chapters 21 through 24. So here we have David running for his life from King Saul. And we see in this passage that sometimes you have to act a little bit extreme just to stay alive. Verse 1 in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days, since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel." So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that, give it me. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Goth. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Goth. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard." Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen, that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Well, here's David, weaponless and foodless. He heads out of town to Nob. That's the place where the tabernacle is now located. And there he goes to see the priest, where he picks up some holy bread and that sword that he confiscated from Goliath. Goliath was finished with it, if you recall. The bread had been displayed on the table of showbread in the tabernacle, as twelve loaves, as specified in Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 to 30. 
It ordinarily was to be eaten only by the priest and replaced every Sabbath day. That's specified in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Apparently, nobody ate it then. So Ahimelech the priest bends some priesthood rules to accommodate David and his men. Ahimelech's no-women stipulation of verses 4 and 5 refers to the provisions of the law of Moses found in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 16 through 18. Actually, David tells a couple of lies here to pull this whole thing off without being discovered by Saul, because Saul really was trying to kill him. Though a little suspicious, the priest cooperates. Incidentally, Jesus cites this occasion to the Pharisees in Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8, paralleled by Mark 2, 23 to 28, Luke 6, 1 through 5. He cites this occasion when the Pharisees criticize his disciples for plucking corn from the cornfield on the Sabbath day, and that's when they were declaring it to be unlawful. Now, as it turns out, there was a loyalist to Saul present at the time. Doeg the Edomite. We'll see this name in chapter 22 when we get down to it in a few moments. He carries his observations of David's transactions with Ahimelech. He carries those back to Saul. Immense consequences follow, though Ahimelech was really in a no, no position to resist David's request. Then David flees to Achish, the king of Goth. That was a Philistine city. So what kind of a story can he tell the king of Goth? How about just faking insanity? Well, that seems like a good idea to David. These Philistines do remember that David was the one about whom the women had sung the song, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. The lyrics to that Hebrew hit were all about slain Philistines. You know, that song had caused a lot of problems for David. That was the song that caused Saul to become jealous back in 1 Samuel chapter 18. They were not misled concerning David's real identity when the servants of King Achish say in verse 11, Is not this David the king of the land? Yep. And he's acting like a lunatic, which may be the only way out of this predicament. Look at verses 13 through 15. David did a command performance here to imitate a madman. The insanity defense served him well enough to help him escape. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, David calls upon his Moabite roots with his grandma. She was a Moabite. Verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about four hundred men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hareth. In verse 1 here we see that David, he's left and fled to the cave Adullam. That's about two miles south of the scene of David's triumph over Goliath, about 13 miles west of Bethlehem. Numerous caverns have been discovered there, and some of them are large enough to hold several hundred people. 
David's Moabite roots, if you recall, Ruth was his great-grandmother, and she was a Moabite, back in Ruth chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. That may have been the idea that was going through his head when he decided to turn to the Moabites. That's probably not the reason Mizpah, the king of Moab, gave David refuge. It was probably because Saul had been at war with Moab. That's mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 47. As a matter of fact, David's family joined him there as well. Who knows what Saul might do to David's family in the wake of everything that's taking place at this point in time. David stayed there a while until Gad, who would become his personal prophet, told him that he should move on, after which he moves back into Judah in verse 5. We see that David has put together a ragtag army of Jewish society misfits. We see that in verse 2. Those misfits totaled an army of about 400 men. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, beginning with verse 6, we see that Saul's not too tickled with what took place back at the tabernacle. Verse 6, when Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. Then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me, to lie in wait as at this day." Then answered Doeg the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob. And they came all of them to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here am I, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have ye conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as at this day? Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it unto me, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou and fall upon the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest, and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. And Nob, the city of the priest, smote he with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and sucklings, and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. 
And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said unto Abiathar, I knew at that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Well, we see in this passage that Saul does a complaining session about servant loyalty in verses 6 through 8. Wow, this king thing had really gone to Saul's head. Doeg, the Edomite, had been present at the tabernacle the day that Ahimelech aided David and his men. He told Saul about that incident. We saw that a few moments ago. When Saul realized that the priest Ahimelech had given David some food and Goliath's sword, he was furious, even though the priest had no idea that David was on the run from Saul. Well, upon confrontation, Ahimelech makes a fine presentation on all the reasons why he should not be held accountable for helping David, but those reasons aren't good enough for Saul. He treats Ahimelech and his priests like enemies of Israel. Saul's Hebrew servants refuse to slay the priest, but Saul has a hired hand, Doeg. He's an Edomite. He kills all 85 of the priests along with their entire families, herds, and everything. I guess he figured when God turns thumbs down on you, you may as well go for broke. One priest named Abiathar also was Ahimelech's son. He escapes to tell David what's happened. David felt responsible for their deaths when he says in verse 22, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Let's face it, Saul is not an honorable man. I mean, Saul just isn't honorable. We already saw his animosity toward God's man Samuel and his disregard for vows he made before God, and now we see the execution of God's own priests. Abiathar becomes David's personal high priest at this point, accompanying David for his own protection from Saul's wrath. Incidentally, Psalm 52 was written by David as a result of the atrocities committed by Saul on this very occasion. Beginning in chapter 23, we see that David and his ragtag army go over and save the inhabitants of Keilah. Verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again, and the Lord answered and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. 
Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, rose and departed out of Keilah, and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbade to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. In this passage, David hears that the Philistines are attacking Keilah, a town in Judah. It is one of those harvest time invasions when the Philistines go down and steal food from the harvest from the Jewish inhabitants. And we see in verse 5 that they brought their cattle with them. David goes to save the people. Saul gets word that David is still there in Keilah. And David gets Abiathar to bring him the ephod. This priestly garment was, was where the Urim and the Thummim were kept. These items were used back in the Old Testament for discerning God's will about certain matters. If you'd like to know more about the Urim and the Thummim, then consult my notes on Exodus chapter 28, where we see they're first specified. Then David asked God if these people, using the ephod and the Urim and the Thummim there, he asked God if these people, for whom he has just risked his life, will turn him over to Saul. Imagine David's surprise when God says that they will, in fact, forsake him. Well, looks like it's time to just move on, army and all. Which, by the way, the army's grown to about 600 men. We see in verse 14 that seeking David's death had, in fact, become a full-time job for Saul. Forget the Philistines, the real enemy now of Israel, as far as Saul's concerned, is David. Then we see in verses 15 to 29 that David is saved by the Philistines. Verse 15. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan saw his son arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood, in the hill of Hakilah, which is on the south side of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet, and know and see his place where his haunt is, and who hath seen him there. For it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with the certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be hid in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah." And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon. 
in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, Wherefore he came down into a rock, and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard this, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul, for Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David, and went against the Philistines, therefore they called that place Selahamalakoth. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. Well, indirectly anyway, David is saved by the Philistines in this passage. Saul had gotten a tip from those pesky Ziphites that David's in their area, up in the mountains, about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. Saul's in hot pursuit here. He wants to kill David, and he's poised to attack when he hears an attack by the Philistines, and he has to take a break from his new hobby, which is killing David, and he has to go fight those Philistines. Now, something has taken place, though, that Saul doesn't know about. A covenant between Jonathan and David has taken place. Jonathan concedes the kingship of Israel to David in that covenant. We see that in verses 17 and 18 when it's said here, Fear not... Jonathan's talking. For the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. And they two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Notice that Jonathan points out there that Saul is painfully aware of the inevitable kingship of David, just as Jonathan is. And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we see that David has an opportunity to actually kill Saul, but he doesn't take it. Verse 1, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that he was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepcoats by the way, where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these swords and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee. 
But mine eye spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yea, see the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee. Yet thou huntest my soul to take it. The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but my hand shall not be upon thee. As saith the proverb of the ancients, Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea? The Lord therefore be judge, and judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. And it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed me this day, that thou hast dealt well with me, forasmuch as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killedst me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that that thou hast done unto me this day. And now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me, and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David sware unto Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men got them up into the hold. Saul's been pursuing the Philistines. After he gets back on David's trail with an army of 3,000, he locates him, so to speak, in the wilderness of Engedi. Saul goes into a cave to take a number two bathroom break. That's actually what the term covering your feet, it's a Hebrew idiom, and it's uh, converted over into English in the King James Version. So he's taking this number two bathroom break. David and his men are in the cave at the same time. While he stooped down, covering his feet with his garment, David sneaks up beside him in the dark, and there in the darkness of the cave he clips off part of Saul's robe without Saul even knowing it. Upon finishing his business there in the cave, Saul emerges only to find the voice of David hollering something. And David says, well, he didn't really say this, but here's what I just said. Hey, Saul, does it seem a little drafty back there, man? I got part of your robe here in my hand. Well, actually, that's not, that's not really what David said. Actually, David was very respectful as he spoke to Saul, even referring to him as the anointed of the Lord in verse 6. And he actually bowed before him and addressed him as my Lord the King in verse 8. Realizing that David could have killed him, Saul's very remorseful. He expresses his evil intent and he confesses, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. But wait, there's more. Saul goes on to say, You can have that old kingship in verse 20. Just take care of my boy Jonathan and let my seed go forward. Well, let me give you a hint here. 
Saul has a short memory, and he has a real big problem with rage. However, because of David's oath to Jonathan and to Saul to protect their offspring, Mephibosheth, who's Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson, will later on remain under David's protection after Saul's death in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1-13. through Because here it is, unlike Saul, David was in fact an honorable man with every oath that he ever made. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.